0: The easy part is to say this is stupid. The hard part is like, what do you do about it? Now, for the individual employee, hopefully, and, and, and in almost all circumstances, they're gonna, you know, suck it up and continue to do everything they can uh, to fulfill their mission. Uh, we need our leaders to do better. They, they need to actually, you know, I think fundamentally change the system.
1: Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, back at square one with a looming shutdown and how innovation, public trust, and employee morale are impacted if the government is forced to stop some operations. It's Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast, where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. The Department of Labor is the latest federal agency set to receive funding from the Technology Modernization Fund. Labor on Monday was awarded $3.5 million for an Employee Benefits Security Administration project to support the agency's upcoming Lost and Found Registry. The digital service program will enable the over 153 million workers, retirees, and families covered by private employment retirement plans, group health plans, and other welfare benefit plans to search for savings and benefits that may still be owed to them through their retirement plans. Labor's existing Missing Participant Program, a service that connects people to forgotten retirement benefits, has recovered more than $4.2 billion since 2021 for missing participants. The new online registry is required by the SECURE Act 2.0 of 2022, which the fund's investment is helping the department to establish. The Biden administration has introduced a new federal contracting strategy that it estimates could generate more than $10 billion in annual savings. The White House's Better Contracting Initiative will address what it describes as decades of federal agencies paying inconsistent prices and often too much when compared to market price. Among the ways the administration plans to get that $10 billion in annual savings are initiatives to improve data sharing to get lower prices, and negotiate software licenses on a government-wide basis. Under the strategy, the Office of Management and Budget will launch a centralized data management strategy for sharing and analyzing acquisition data across the government. Other approaches the strategy calls for are avoiding waste by using proven methods for contracting requirements and getting better value from sole source contracts and other contracts that are high risk. You can read more about these stories and much more at fedscoop.com. Stop me if you've heard this one before. The federal government is once again facing the potential of a shutdown as the current continuing resolution is set to expire at midnight on November 17th. And while partisan politics drive the conversation around whether Congress will reach another short-term spending bill in time, it's ultimately the American public and federal workers who will feel the impact if a stopgap measure isn't passed. Max Steyer, president and CEO of the Partnership for Public Service, joins the Daily Scoop podcast to discuss the latest on the potential shutdown, what a lapse in funding or even a CR does to innovation in government, and what you should know if you want to be part of the solution. Max, so good to see you again. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. How are you? I'm doing well and great to be back. Thank you so much for having me. So we're we're in this situation again. The clock is ticking as we near another potential government shutdown. If Congress can't pass another stopgap, funding bill by midnight on November 17th. And it appears we're right back where we were a little more than a month ago, but maybe there's even more dysfunction it seems this time. So catch me up. What's different this time around, if anything, as we near uh, the deadline for a potential shutdown?
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I think you summarized this pretty well. I would only add that there's a cumulative um, injury that takes place here. So it's uh, not simply back to where we were, we've already gone through a month of a continuing resolution, which uh, you noted the success now, the, the goalpost is, a, is another continuing resolution, which is um, not a good thing. That uh, continuing resolution is is only better than the alternative of a shutdown, but it's actually a very poor way to manage the resources of the American taxpayer. And what it means, in essence, is that you put everything on cruise control and your ability to innovate, to start new things, to stop things and to manage uh, along a, you know, a reasonable time horizon is all nil. So um, we we uh, ought to do better. Uh, we ought to have higher aims. Um, unfortunately, the reality is that's the best case scenario. And um, what it should tell us is that we need to change our system and, and hold um, our leaders accountable for um, better management of, of really critical resources and critical issues.
1: You know, you, it, it seems like we're probably down to, you know, two different outcomes, although there's obviously the obvious third that maybe, you know, that it, it's, it's slim to none and probably next to impossible that any sort of appropriations would, would happen. But the, the two main, you know, outcomes would be like, like we've already talked about a shutdown or another CR, what are the consequences? You kind of teased it out, but, you know, what are the real consequences that the federal government experiences, whether it's a shutdown and, you know, we do continue on in some limited com- or in normal, uh, but cruise control, as you re- referenced, capacity, or if there's a shutdown and it's really just those essential functions that keep going, what what are the, you know, what what are, is the expense or the consequence of all of that? So let's, let's
0: take the two scenarios. And the first, um, the more egregious one is obviously the shutdown and it's it's real pain. And I say real pain, uh, one of the more interesting complicated aspects of this is I would not call it a real shutdown, I call it a partial shutdown because somewhere between two thirds and three quarters of the budget is mandatory spending. And even along the third to a quarter, that is discretionary and on an annual appropriations basis the you know government will continue as you noted activities that have um, the risk of imminent threat to life or property and so uh, you know there's this strange dynamic where by and large the leaders in government do everything they can to to hold the public harmless and to prevent pain from occurring Um, in fact though it's only the pain that then motivates the political leaders to get off the dime and do what they were supposed to do already. Uh, So just as a starting point, um, the public should not believe that this is a a true shutdown of government. Uh, You know, there are going to be things that are felt by the public, like um, national parks closing, but most of the harm are things that are hidden from the general public or um, long-term damage that we won't feel for some time. So a great example of this is air traffic controllers, Uh, They will be required, bizarrely, the only, you know, workforce in our country that can be required to work and not get paid. Uh, They will be required to show up at work. um, And we're forfeiting the future of the safety of our air traffic control system because all those that are in training today and all the people who should be recruited to fill the many, many, many gaps we have in our air traffic control system, that stuff will shut down because that will not meet the standard of an imminent threat to 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 uh, live for property, so um, the harms will be many. Um, they will be, uh, as I noted, hidden um, from view for most. Uh, there will be subpopulations that will feel this really hard. Uh, it's bad, um, but it's not again a total, you know, hey, we can show we don't need our government kind of test because it's not that. Second option is the continuing resolution. And you know, once more, federal employees will do everything they can to hold the public harmless, but the harm will be there, and that includes, as I noted earlier, the ability to start new things and effectively shut down old things to innovate. And in the meanwhile, in either scenario, you're going to have many, 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 many managers and leaders across the federal government spending their time figuring out how to shut things down, how to restart them, how to manage against, uh, you know, a very small slice of resources uh, and you're going to have a general workforce that is being, you know, yo-yoed between, you know, not knowing what their fate's going to be. So it is it is terrible management of um, you know, a really critical element of our democracy and that is uh, our civil service.
1: Yeah, and you've mentioned a few times now that sort of um you know, the, the no new work aspect. And that's where a lot of, you know, what we at at FedScoop really focus on that innovation, the ability to drive forward and and start new things and, and take on, um, you know, new, new leaps in the technology space, particularly. So I'm curious how, how a shutdown would hurt the nation's ability, especially in a time where we're, we're really trying to lead on things like AI and um, you know, mitigate threats and risks in in the cyberspace Um, you know, how this sort of shutdown, if it, if it were to go on for any length of time, um, might hamper or harm our ability to do those things.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's true in either the shutdown or the CR scenarios that you're going to see harm to innovation is most, I think, obvious in the context of technology and AI as an element of it, uh, because that's been the fastest moving differentiator in our society. And it. Again, it it there are a couple of taxes. They're the very basic requirements of continuing resolutions or a shutdown where you're just not going to be able to start new things. And then there's the tax on the people who are, you know, being forced to invest huge amounts of their energy, both time and, and psychic energy, in um worry or trying to juggle the complexities of. Um, you know, operating our government with these tortured rules. So um, it it has a profound impact and that's on the existing employees. And it has, you know, you think about innovation, a lot of innovation comes from uh, new people coming into your organization. That's not going to be happening. And you're going to be chasing away people who are in the pipeline, as well as those that might've otherwise considered federal employment, because they're going to be like, why would I do this? I mean, it's not only do you have uh, the risk of Um, you know, being told you cannot do your job, um, but you can also have the risk of being told you must do your job and you won't get a paycheck. I mean, that's insanity. Like it is, it is uh, uh, so important that we have um, our our civil service supported. They are doing so many things that matter. um, And we are, we are seeing the worst kind of management of them possible.
1: Yeah, and I I can't think, I don't think of any other (laughs) industry where that that would be the case where you're asked to work and not get paid. Um, But in in just thinking about that, that morale aspect, and obviously OPM just released the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey recently and some some trending in the right direction. How might something like this kind of reverse course or really hurt, uh, you know, morale across government as things seem to be at least... uh, looking back a, a year or two now, uh, headed in the right direction, this could totally, um, you know, change that.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, the only quibble I would have with you is unfortunately, the numbers haven't really been going in the right direction. But, uh, you know, it's a little complicated and obviously depends bit where. Uh, but I would say, you know, your point is, is extremely strong. And, you know, for a mission based workforce, the reason why federal employees choose this um, path is because they care about serving the public, they care about the mission. And I think that there are many things that can undermine morale. I don't know that there's anything more profound than telling a mission-based workforce that you can't do your work or you have to do it under circumstances that really hobble your ability to be effective. And so it is uh, devastating, uh, I think, um, on the morale side. And again, you've got these weird, just to put the marker down, it's really not about essential and not essential. Uh, it's exempt and non-exempt, but people use the terms essential and non-essential. And that's, uh, I think, should be verboten. It's not a good thing to talk about in that way. Um, but it, it it hurts. Like when, you know, employees look around and say, you know, the one group says, I have to work without being paid. And the other group says, I can't do what I want to be doing and what I'm here for. I mean, on neither circumstance is it a winner? Uh, and it's especially difficult to have that differentiation uh, made. And so, look, I mean... The, the, it's easy the easy part is to say this is stupid the hard part is like what do you do about it now for the individual employee hopefully then in almost all circumstances they're gonna you know suck it up and continue to do everything they can uh, to fulfill their mission uh we need our leaders to do better they they need to actually um you know i think fundamentally change the system there should be incentives or disincentives for failing to do your job and for Congress that should mean that they don't get paid and they can't go away, uh, or certainly not a taxpayer expense until they do their job. Uh, and I think that, um, we should have, you know, biannual appropriations or something that enables us to get on a cycle that doesn't make this a key, you know, a repeated activity, uh, this, with this kind of frequency. So, uh, you know, um, this, this, this is something that unfortunately people come become a nerd to, and that's the worst thing, worst response. We, we should understand how damaging this is in a very scary world.
1: And one thing we haven't really dived into too much, and at least in too much depth, is is sort of that 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 public perception of and trust in government, which is you know we we've all seen that it has been very very low and and continues to drop. So I'm curious, you know, I, obviously this is going to impact that to some degree. Um, what are your thoughts on you know America's place in the world and how people see us, and also you know how Americans see its own government?
0: yeah well look i mean across the board it's obviously damaging there as well i just got back from 12 days in india there's no doubt that in, in in across the world they look at us and they think we're nuts like they they like the idea that you would shut down your government that's like that's what your enemy does to you that's not what you do to yourself it it, it absolutely hurts our perception of us as as being functional and effective across the world and and the public i think has a similar perspective uh you know one of the things that i would just highlight there again is this notion that it's presented as a government shutdown and for a lot of Americans they don't fundamentally understand what they're getting from their government and from civil servants and when they're told that this is a government shutdown in their lives you know for some of them it will change but for most frankly it's not going to change that much and when they see that then they they ask the question is it really necessary to have the government that we have today so i think really communicating clearly about what is in fact getting stop what in fact harms are happening and the fact that you know federal employees are doing everything they can to actually hold uh, the public harmless is, is is very important. I would also um, advocate for your listeners who are federal employees, especially those that are going to be furloughed to share that story, share that story with us so that you know we can communicate and uh, more broadly what the public actually is losing um, even in this partial government shutdown or potential government shutdown. Uh, because I just don't think we see the government doing a good job about what those true costs actually are. And then last, I would just note, and this is again something that should be communicated loud and clear, and that is it: it, it actually costs the American taxpayer more uh, to have our government shut down than to keep it going. Yeah. And and so again, the the foolishness, the idiocy, you name the the the, the you know the adjectives here, um, is profound. Uh, and and um, and it should not be seen through the political lens. This is not, you know, the inside baseball, who wins, who loses. Um, If it's, you know, thinking about losing, it's the public and all of us who who lose in this case. So I think we have to make sure we're staying focused on the outcomes and not that, you know, political, um, you know, horse race, which is for most people, you know, not relevant.
1: I think that's a great point. And, and I like the call to action. That's sort of where I wanted to close the conversation. You know, um, there's a lot of moving pieces. And for those listening in, um, what should they be watching for? What should they know? Are there any resources to help them navigate the situation? Or even better, you know, if they're frustrated, as you sort of described, and is there a way for them to get involved and take action uh, by sharing their stories or anything yeah. else?
0: So, absolutely. Look, and we have done it in this past, and we'll do it again, which is we will set up resources on our you know our publicservice.org uh, for federal employees themselves. Um, we will try to amplify the stories of Feds that are um, actually uh, furloughed. Um, you'll note Michael Lewis's book, The Fifth Risk. His, his last chapter in the paper book actually included the story of a Sammy's honoree who was uh, Service of America medals honoree um, who was furloughed and and what a you know stupid thing that was. Um, if we can share those stories, we can't share them if we don't have them. So people bringing them to us, and then obviously, you know, we're a small nonprofit trying to do our best. Uh, you know, trying to work on other organizations that you're part of to share stories, to understand what's at play, and and to agitate um, for a better system. Because again, we can fight defense or we can fight offense, and I think it's always sometimes you have to do defense, but it's good to have an offense. And Actually, changing the system is, I think, called for given the track record of of mismanagement that we're seeing right now.
1: Well, Max, it's uh, always great to speak with you. We'll keep an eye on the, the the you know the news and the clock and see what happens this weekend. But um, things aren't looking great, and uh, uh, you know, hopefully, though something will will happen. At least the better of the two solutions. But uh, I guess we'll have to watch for now. But always great to chat with you.
0: Likewise, and I'm with you on that, and and hopefully better. know better alternatives going forward beyond just this one so thank you for all you're doing
1: you can learn more about the potential shutdown at the daily scoop podcast.com the daily scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms if you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice thanks so much high ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it the daily scoop podcast is a production of the scoop news group in washington dc Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put the show together and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.